1: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to video number ninety-four and audio season four, episode thirty-nine of Music Is Not a Genre. Thanks, as always, for listening and watching. Don't forget you can support this podcast at Patreon.com/slash Music Is Not a Genre or at Anchor.fm/slash Music Is Not a Genre. My public hub is. YouTube.com slash Nick and the new and not so new, I guess, home of this podcast is on my website, nickdemadiocom slash podcast. Thanks. As I said, uh, this is a particularly city day here in New York. Uh, for some reason, lots of low-flying planes and lots of um, ambulance and police activity outside, I assume. I don't know. I'm hearing sirens. So if you hear anything in the background, enjoy the ambiance of the city as I get into this. If you're following along, you may know that this is the penultimate episode of this season, season four. Got one more coming up, either in a week or two weeks, depending on how things go. And uh, this is the longest season thus far of Music Is Not a Genre, uh, as each season progresses, things change, new things are added, old things fall away. Uh, and I will be doing a complete season review as, as well as a cat, one of my catch-up uh, episodes and throwing in some new things for the final episode coming up in a week or two. Let's get to this week's topic, the show that never ends, the book that wasn't long enough. Book talk number four. So this is officially book talk number four. Uh, I've been waiting to do this book for a while. This is one of the books, actually, one of the two or three books that kind of compelled me to start talking about books in uh, music is not a, a genre. Uh and I am pausing here for a second because I've got so many uh, fun things coming up for next season, and they're rolling around in my head, and, I, and I'm thinking about these changes, and I'm really excited about them. I almost blurted one out, but I'm saving that because I want you all to be surprised and thrilled uh, when the fall rolls around. I may allude to some of them uh, in, in next week's uh, or the week after's final episode. So this is a book, the, the full title of the book, is The Show That Never Ends, The Rise and Fall of Prog Rock by David Weigel. And it is on progressive rock. It's one of the few books on the genre as a whole. There have been plenty of books written about bands, uh, artists, you know, that kind of thing, progressive music has been mentioned in plenty of other books about music, some of which I've even reviewed, but this is the, the, the one that, you know, was recommended, came out in 2017, and I read it a few months ago, and like I said, I've been dying to talk about it for so many reasons. Let's get into one thing right off the bat, attention span. If you're still here, you have one. So congratulations. And I say it that way just as a joke, but I think a lot is made uh, in many fields and with many ideas and the many ways that people act and interact and develop of new technologies. Every time a new technology comes out, there are naysayers who will claim that that technology is eroding society in some way um that has never happened because of one technology many technologies have been used in ways by humans to contribute to the erosion of certain things but even that i think is an overstatement because when you're talking about something like attention span you know the people will say that the internet has eroded attention span that things like tiktok And YouTube and other ideas like that have eroded the attention span of the modern human. And I I think it's more like this. We get conditioned by the things that we use or don't use. So if we are frequently using something that requires only a short attention span, then that's all we give. uh, That muscle, that short attention span muscle, which can be useful in certain cases, uh, is the one that's most developed, and the longer attention span kind of is is not as uh, exercised. But it's not because humans are changing, you know, as a, a fundamentally or in our DNA or even in our our fundamental behavior. We all have the capacity for any kind of attention span, and and so if you are someone who, you know, w- agrees. With the idea that modern technology is eroding attention span, then I urge you to look up articles that have been written about, uh, you, know, pop music or television or radio or silent films or anything like that, probably certain types of books even, over the decades, if not longer, 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 you know, farther back, and you will find someone who has written about the erosion of the attention span. Now, why do I bring up attention span? Okay. Well, because we're talking about progressive rock. And we're talking about a progressive rock book. To read a book, a complete book, you need an attention span. You need to, to focus. You need to find a way to get into it. To listen to progressive rock, That is also the case. It's not the only kind of music for which you need an attention span. You can think of, you know, classical jazz, certain types of electronic music, certain types of dance or techno music, which I will get into a little bit later, and other forms of music have gone, uh, you know, long, let's say. There have been singles that have been six, seven minutes long, even hit singles. So attention span is something that can be useful everywhere. But we know, if you know anything about music, that for progressive rock, That's something that you really need. And I bring this up not just because of the music itself, but also because of this book. I alluded to that in my title, uh, the book that wasn't long enough. I, you know, let me take this down here. For those of you just listening, I'm taking the diorama down. Oh no. And I'm check because I'm checking to see how many pages are in this book. If I can even read the fine print without my glasses. And... uh, Aside from indexes and stuff like that, 293 pages. Now, anyone who reads books will tell you that's not a long book. That is not a long book by any stretch. There are books I've read that have been upwards of fifteen hundred pages, even ones six, seven, eight, a thousand, 1, eleven hundred, 1, twelve hundred, uh, you know, trilogies or eight book series, you know, talking about the this, telling the same stories with the same characters or a cast of characters. So two hundred ninety three—that's nothing—and I think that is that is crucial to something that I'm that I'm getting to here. But let me say first that i loved this book i love that this book exists because of what i said earlier which is there are a precious few books only on progressive rock i haven't even really researched what other books there are solely on the genre of progressive rock uh articles certainly and again certain single individual bands or or people or band families let's say because if you know anything about progressive rock you know that one member of one band of, yes, we'll go to King Crimson, we'll go to, you know, who knows, you know, Asia and all the other. There's always relations because those bands kept morphing. And in, in this case, I find, well, first of all, yeah, the, 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 my, I guess, love for this book comes not just because it's one of the few books on prog rock, but because it's actually well done. You know, David Weigel obviously knows what he's talking about and obviously loves the music and has put all of that together and given us kind of a, 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 a slightly more than an overview of progressive rock. There's history in there. He talks about Soft Machine and bands, you know, that were kind of pre-progressive or, or the you know, nascent progressive music. And all the way up to all present day for him, which was uh, 2017 or whenever he finished you know, writing and editing it before it was published, uh, with bands that have come out recently that are neo-progressive or uh, prog metal and, and things like that. So it is, uh, in one sense, comprehensive. I won't say that it's fully comprehensive. That's actually a contention of mine here. But for the casual... Listener, for the cat, someone who's curious about progressive rock, maybe doesn't know anything about it, this is the book to pick up 100%. If you are a casual fan of progressive rock, you will enjoy this. There were things I learned that I didn't know, which you hope with any book, but uh, you know, even I knew that there there was a lot for me to learn on progressive rock because I would classify myself as someone who is about midway between a casual fan and a loyal, obsessive fan. Uh, You know, I I guess I know and have heard more than a casual fan of progressive rock, but I am nowhere near close to the people who are obsessed with this type of music. And that's, that's, you know, why I think, again, this is a very worthy book, and, and I love the book. And for that reason, this is the first reason why I think this book wasn't long enough. I wished it was longer, you know. Any book I read where I'm enjoying it, now, I don't, I don't look forward to the ending. I mean, if it's one of those reveal things or you're trying to find out something, yes, and beautiful endings, endings well done, which there aren't that many, are wonderful. But at the same time, whether it's a TV series, uh, certain movies, books, uh, certain albums or songs, if you love them, you often do not want them to end. And as someone who created the Death is Dumb subseries, you can imagine that I don't do well with endings. I don't do well with goodbyes. So, you know, for me, this book left me wanting more. Now, it did compel me to explore. And there were certain uh, bands that were mentioned in there, both bands I knew and bands I didn't know, that I went and listened to a little bit of just to see what, uh, you know, he was talking about but it left me wanting not just more i think it left me wanting too much more you know i think there was a lot uh a lot missing there and that leads to my second point about this book which is that it, the, it wasn't long enough because i feel as though it was missing a lot and let me put it to you this way this this may come off as a as a joke Or as some type of extended metaphor, okay, whatever. But I actually believe this is true. And that is that we're talking about progressive rock. We're talking about a genre where a single song can be over an hour long. According to one website, the longest song by a band called Transatlantic is, is The Whirlwind. 77 minutes and 54 seconds. Uh, if, if there's somebody out there who has heard of a longer song, let me know. Plenty of songs, actually, surprisingly, over an hour, which, of course, would be more in the age of, you know, electronic music, uh, you know, digital music is what I mean, where you can have a one, let's say, file that long that would fit. It would never have fit on an LP. You'd have to stretch it over several sides. It wouldn't it would barely have fit on c on a, on one c d and you probably could squeeze it on there if you didn't mind a slightly lower quality uh but you know for streaming music, make things as long as you want basically so with music that can be that long with music that can be that sprawling that demanding of the listener, it was surprising to me that a book about that music wasn't any of those things. It wasn't very demanding. And that could be a selling point. It was easy to read. It was very easy to read and very easy to get into and very easy to understand. And uh, he really connected threads and, and all of that. Uh, it, it's not very sprawling. There are a few tangents here and there, but there are many tangents that and, and side roads that he doesn't go down, which is unlike Progressive Rock, certainly. And the major point, which is it wasn't long enough. It, it, it is not... Let's say if books were music, this, this is a, kind of a pop book with progressive elements, which is actually something that I enjoy creating uh, a lot of. I do a lot of kind of indie power pop music with progressive elements, and that's basically what this book is. So from that level, on an artistic level, I respect that it was done in that way. And at the same time, as a fan, uh, you know, casual or slightly more than casual fan of progressive rock, I wanted a book to dive into the way I would dive into a progressive rock, you know, song or album. I wanted to be immersed in it. And there are other books I've reviewed this season and more I'll review next season, you know, I was immersed in, that I really felt like I was in that world, you know, Last Night of DJ Saved My Life is a perfect example So much in there, such a dense book And a much longer book than this one And you felt like you were in that world And experiencing the history as it went That happens to some degree in this book But I feel as though uh, It, you know Could have been more indulgent Which is an interesting point for me to make And I'm going to go over that a little bit more When I talk about progressive rock in general But that's my contention here Is that, I'll give you some examples So, you know he knows and loves what he did. And like I said, he went over the history. But there were many bands. There were a few bands, let's say, tangential bands, bands influenced by progressive rock or who included progressive rock in what they do to a large degree. You know, not if you're, oh, you're a band and you threw one song in there. Like nobody would call me a progressive you know, rock musician, even though some of my songs have severely progressive elements, there's nothing that screams, oh yeah, he really was influenced uh, heavily by it and, and delved into and experimented with it and all of that and, and immersed himself in it. No. But if you're a band who was not primarily progressive, but did a ton of it, I think you should have been included in this book. you know. And the reason I say that, and if you know me, you know, I'm going to now mention a band of mine that I am obsessed with because I tend to do that not just because those are bands I love but because I know the most about those bands so I can use them as references and that is Chicago when I did my Terry Kath episode recently I talked about how Chicago's you know first 10 years let's say was just laden with progressiveness, and that if you listen to that, you might start hearing some of the elements of their later work on the later albums, and a little teeny bit on the early albums too. But what you come away with is a band maybe you didn't know that well or you you didn't you thought you knew well, but you didn't. Because so much of what they did was in one way or another progressive, whether it was, you know, jazz, fusion, classical, you know, and the, the, the structurally multi-song, multi-movement suites of songs and all of that. And so it boggles the mind. I mean, it absolutely boggles the mind. And I hope you're enjoying hearing my dog drink water like a washing machine. Wonderful, Olga um it boggles the mind that yes he threw in journey yes he threw in toto bands who had pop hits but who had you know journey was primarily progressive for many years and toto is certainly progressive in, in in many of the things that it has done why wouldn't you mention chicago now i think i think And again, I've been wrong before, or there are people who disagree, let's say that, that this is similar to the Billy Joel idea. That there are certain fans of certain kind of music and certain critics who look down upon Billy Joel, and I'm not going to get into why. Go ahead and watch or listen to the Billy Joel episode that I did earlier this season, and you'll get that. I feel as though the same is the case for a band like Chicago. Now listen, if you're just a person who, okay, Chicago, hard habit to break, you know, whatever else, hard, hard to say, I'm sorry, um, fine. You may not even know that they had that extensive of a progressive period. But if you are a music journalist, a music lover, a music critic, or anybody in that world where you know more than the average person, the only reason you wouldn't mention Chicago when you're talking about progressive music is because you have maybe somewhat of an elitist tendency. Now, it could be just didn't know the band, forgot about it, but I think this, that, that this author knows a whole hell of a lot of what he's talking about and maybe at a certain point just kind of made the, um, let's say, the, I don't know, the, 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 the decision that this wasn't a band worthy of inclusion. I can't say that's the case. I don't know the, I don't know the author. But when it hit me, I looked into the index because I started to get, you know, into the 70s when he was going chronologically and didn't see him mentioning Chicago and there's not even an index, you know, entry on the band. So that to me kind of illustrated a larger point with the album, (laughs) with the book, which is that even though it is, like I said, relatively comprehensive, it is in some ways selective. And that if you're going to dive into progressive rock, be a completist, you know, because that's what most progressive rock albums do. Even individual songs at times do that. It's just throwing whatever in there that works you know that is a part of the subject of what you're doing whether it's the song or the album that should happen here with a book like this another good example is that he does mention in passing how electronic and dance music influenced certain elements of progressive rock and and i'm singling out that type of music even though So many other types of music have influenced progressive rock, whether it's jazz or classical or pop or, you know, straight ahead rock or funk or any of that stuff. Uh, But in particular, this, you know, yes, he did mention how electronic dance music influenced progressive rock, but he did not really make any mention of the reverse relationship of how progressive rock not only influenced that type of, you know, electronic and dance music, but there are ways in which progressive rock music, jam band, like, you know, uh, early days, the San Francisco scene and beyond, well beyond that, and electronic, you know, techno, dance, house, any of that, kind of, in many ways, developed together, developed in an overlapping way. Uh, you know, of all of those, the jam band more or less rose to prominence first. The Grateful Dead and even, you know, Jefferson Airplane and all of that. Then Progressive Rock came and and took a lot of what that was and, you know, codified it and made it more structural and actually wrote it out. And you had the the explosion of Progressive Rock in the 1970s. And if that's all you know you might think it died then it didn't and what's one of the good things about this book is that it goes into what other progressive, you know, bands inherited that you know, idea of progressiveness in the 80s, in the 90s, you know, and beyond. And you have bands like uh Marillion with Fish as the leader who was certainly an inheritor of let's say the Genesis, you know, brand of progressive rock. Uh Asia, I mean, they're connected to the early progressive rock, so it's hard to say they were just influenced by them. But if, you know, I went and listened to all of Asia's catalog, and I can't say they're one of my favorite bands, but I did because a friend of mine wrote a book about them. And it's it's stunning how much progressiveness came and went within their catalog over all these years. Or a band like Tool, kind of the neo-progressive, you know, prog metal, super progressive, though. I mean, so progressive. Uh, And then beyond that, uh, Porcupine Tree, who's been around for a long time, but didn't really rise to prominence till, you know, uh, well, maybe around Tool, but but also a little bit later. And so many others, Voivod and bands that I don't really know that much about um, because I'm not an obsessive. But it's cool that he went into kind of that history. And in that way, you can see how much he knows and how much he threw in there to be that you know, complete on certain things, but then to leave out, again, certain bands uh, that were, you know, that really dived, you know, knee-deep or further, waist-deep into progressive uh, rock, such as Chicago, or how important the idea of progressiveness has been not just to progressive rock. You know, let's set jam bands aside for so many reasons, but let's just do that for now. And understand that if you know anything about dance music, about techno music, especially as it started to unfold in the partly in the 70s, but certainly in the 80s and very, very much so in the 90s and beyond, you know that there are songs there that by nature of the the genre, it's meant to be played for people to dance to and to be kind of this endless, you know, rave, uh, you know, joy, rave unto the joy. Fantastic. If you know what that reference is, go ahead and tell me. Uh, in the notes below but there's a reason why though there were so many dance songs that were intended to be longer or dance remixes of pop songs which have were really really popular in the 80s and and somewhat in the 90s that took a song that might have been three four minutes and extended into seven ten twelve minutes and, and longer and really made it kind of this endless thing that's a progressive move you know and I think some attention should have been paid to that in a book like this because it 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 shows respect for the idea of progressive music of the of for the idea of progressiveness in music beyond just progressive rock, and if you're gonna mention some bands that took the elements of progressive rock and molded it into pop the way. Uh, middle and late period genesis or journey certainly or yes then you should mention other bands that kind of came at it from the other way who were known more as predominantly rock or pop but folded in a lot of progressive elements i mean there's there's progressive hip-hop there's there's so many offshoots of this music you know over the decades and I think having read books that were that comprehensive that a book like this should have included all of those should have even if you just make a mention, oh, this book is not the place to, you know, unwind all of the details about electronic music and how progressive it has been in its history, but XYZ fine, you know, or uh, Chicago was a band that dabbled in progressiveness for many of its early albums and then, you know, largely abandoned it or however you want to say it. That's a sentence, but not even a sentence. This book could have been, so let's what did I say, 293, could have been 350 pages and been just infinitely more progressive, uh, comprehensive, you know. But that leads me to a point that I love making, which is that, you know, progressiveness in music is not restricted just to progressive rock and i'll get into where that falls in terms of the music that that i do but just think of artists you've listened to who have done let's let's say let's break it into two things one would be there are songs or maybe whole albums in an artist's catalog that deliberately dive into progressiveness There may be more experimental than other things that they have done or or have been known for, you know. And that is musically, you know, the idea of very direct progressiveness in the music itself. But the second idea there is the idea of progressiveness in the context in the conceptualizing of music in the direction music goes in the, let's say breadth of an artist's catalog. And I'm going to go back to to my touchstones as usual artists, like the Beatles and Prince and David Bowie, you know, and yeah, Chicago shore. And I'm sure I'm, you know, leaving out hundreds of artists that fall into these categories of artists who had a progressive mindset, which, which compelled them to never rest. You know, or, or Zappa. I don't even know how much he mentions Zappa in here. I, I think he does give a lot, uh, you know, uh, uh, stuff on Zappa. It's been a while since I read the book. Uh, but that's, you know, go ahead and read it and tell me. Uh, but he doesn't, you know, really, and that's this is not this book, but I love the idea that you can have a progressive mindset. It doesn't mean your music comes out as progressive music. So uh, an artist like David Bowie, who morphed so many times in so many different ways, that is a progressive approach to music. You know, Prince, who had his kind of funk and new wave and and rock and then just morphed into so many other things over his career, uh, that is a progressive approach to music. Chicago, who on just the first album, but let's say the first three double albums, all of them are double albums. Uh, explored so many kinds of music that even if some of that music itself wasn 't progressive, which it was, but even if it wasn 't, that is a progressive approach to music. The classic you know example of the Beatles who you you know listen to their early work, middle work, later work, and how much they changed. That's not necessary for an artist. There are wonderful artists out there who have sounded largely the same their entire careers with maybe a few tweaks here and there, a few production value changes or whatever. Personnel, you know, Rolling Stones come to mind. And they're legendary artists. But again, I gravitate more towards artists who are able to kind of do that morphing and exploration and it shows up in the work that they do. Not very much of the work the Beatles did, was progressive rock or progressive music. Some of it was, you know, some small part of it was. But they took a progressive approach to music in the idea of include everything that is of interest to you in one way or another. Uh, Progress, help your music to progress, move the musical conversation forward. I'm going to keep using that phrase in one way or another because I love it because I think that has to happen everywhere. Uh, And that's just something that to me is more interesting even than uh progressive rock music on the whole and i'll and let me make that distinction as i said i'm more than a casual fan of progressive rock but much less than an obsessive fan there are aspects of progressive rock that i find uh to be too indulgent for me and other people that's their bread and butter they love that stuff it really you know enriches their listening experience that's not something that really thrills me i mean throw a little bit of that in there you know it's why i think yes is my favorite progressive rock band because they they always knew how much indulgence to go you know i mean i know tales from topographic oceans you might you know maybe that's the one where they went overboard but in general they've always balanced things with getting to the point. You know, honoring the listener and the fan, and at the same time indulging in things that meant something to them and ex- and, and allowing for exploration in the music you know that's really where my enjoyment of progressive you know rock falls when you're talking about let's say uh early Genesis, respect them a lot of us to their entire catalog, but for some reason. I was just more into like late 70s, early 80s Genesis. And I grew up with mid 80s Genesis. And that was more my thing. But bands like King Crimson and ELP, which I have uh, deemed means extremely low priority, at least for me, um, you know, are not bands that I have that I that really move me. Rush, little bit. Jethro Tull, little more than Rush. But again, yes, it's kind of, you know, where where I land on that tool. I even have me for a while in the late '90s and early '00s, uh, and and I guess that is to say that I believe that you know there are different. I mean, listen, if you're a listener of progressive rock, you believe that they're honoring you by doing the music that they do. And I, you can disagree with me, but I I believe that if you know that there's somebody on the other end of what you're doing, you should remember that they're there, or you may as well just be doing this music in your bedroom, you know and uh, more power to you if that's what you want to do and maybe that's why so many people enjoy this kind of music because it's like you're just hanging in your bedroom like Pink Floyd same thing you know man absolute rabid obsessive fans of Pink Floyd and i live listened to their whole catalog and it just doesn't grab me you know I mean again late 70s you know early 80s where I kind of came in to them and some of their songs absolutely amazing. And yes, this is not to say any of these bands are not genius, wonderful bands. They're just not my bag, you know? And so you will hear that in the music that I do. I have done music in odd time signatures with odd chord progressions, with odd melodies. I'm working on a song now that has a 12-tone row in it. I'm working on another song or haven't started it yet, but it'll be on my next album and it might be 20 minutes long, you know? And there are songs of mine that I've deliberately made, you know, six, seven minutes long, strewn throughout my albums, and especially my band Wrecked albums. And that's on purpose, you know. It there's, There are songs I've shared even this season that have progressive elements, like Xylophone Ways. Uh, I forget which episode that was for, but if you go back or search that, uh, you know, you'll hear the progressiveness there but the way i like to approach it is again to have a progressive approach to music on the whole so when i did the weird objective and i did those five albums the progressive approach was don't confine the music to one genre do many genres let some of those genres overlap and where i really thrive is when those different genres overlap and kind of blur what even a genre is so the the strongest rec music to me incorporates elements from many different types of music and creates something else, you know, and something, something new, which I know you 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 know you'll hear quite a bit on the upcoming album, but you'll also hear on the song I chose to spotlight at the end of this episode, which is a song from Rex Parts and Labor called It's Like This. My brand of progressiveness always includes hooks and elements of pop or rock music it's more straightforward things so when you start listening to that song you will say no nah, I don't get it I don't really hear the progressive elements if you listen through to the end you'll hear them and you'll understand why you may even hear that whole outro there's a little hint of yes in there I guess I never even thought of that but I believe that's the case and It's uh, not an odd time signature there, but an odd number of measures. There's a certain way that the chords progress that are slightly odd. There's overlaps that happen. There's stops and starts. There's, you know, different parts of the song that could be considered mini movements. And I believe you'll hear all that in this song if you hold on for just a, a minute or so as I wrap up here. And, and let me know if you hear or think either from the song It's Like This or any of the other songs that I've shared or that you find uh, uh, by my band Wreck, that you understand what I mean by taking a progressive approach. You know, that there are ways to not just compose a song, but produce and layer a song and, and ideas that you can throw in or take out of a song that are a, you know, indicate a progressive approach to the music. Uh, I'd love to know. Your opinion on that, if that's what you hear, I'd love to know if you've read this book, if you know more about progressive rock than I do, uh, if there's something that I overlooked, that I got wrong. I want to hear from you, or or do you? How do you feel about progressive rock on the whole? Do you agree or disagree uh, about you know my take on it? Because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. One more
0: episode left for this season. I'll talk to you then. Before all of this happened, I was the captain there in your soul. Now that we're back together, I know the weather's taking its toll. Spaces between. If you know what I mean, maybe you won't be scared to explore. Oh, but if that's too upsetting, don't go forgetting. There's always an open door, and it's like this. It's like this. It's like this It's like this Oh, if you still can believe me There is a part It's like this It's like